0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? know what's happening it's 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 time to get in the huddle with carl dukes brian baldinger and jason LaCanfora. back for another edition of in the huddle carl dukes put him up along with my man jason LaCanfora, brian baldinger part of this podcast as well guys we are past the super bowl and now it is into the off season and it's going to be interesting and we've got all the info and all the things you want right here on in the huddle make sure you subscribe like us tell your friends and watch us on In The Huddle Pod on YouTube. Jason, um, this draft, as they all are, it seems like now, are about these quarterbacks. So I want to start there and spend a little time on your thoughts about some of these guys, and not necessarily where we think they're going to end up, because we'll get to that and we'll have plenty of time to discuss. But let's just talk about these guys a little bit, Um, and start with the guy at the top that everybody thinks is going to be the number one draft pick. I am not sold yet, Jason, that he will be the number one overall pick. I still think there's things we, you know, teams want to figure out. If the Bears are completely sold on that and want to draft Caleb Williams, so be it. But I also think that, you know, we all feel like we get into these drafts, and last year is a perfect example. Everybody's got all the answers. It's Bryce Young, and then the better player is C.J. Stroud, so at least right now. So, I don't know if they're they're sold on him, but let's talk about Caleb Williams. Does it concern you that his last season wasn't as productive as the season before, which you won a Heisman? The numbers were down about 20%. The team wasn't as good. Does that concern you about Caleb Williams?
1: Well, it's it's not ideal. Um, You know, how much of it was his control? You know, how much wasn't? How how much, um, you know, can we hold him? To, to sort of bear about a program that just isn't, you know, what it what it used to be, what it was when we were young, what it was under Pete Carroll. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's just it's not that. Uh, what are the university's priorities? You know, what what where where is that? You know, as college sports is going in a bold new horizon, and it looks like we're getting to be. Um, the haves and the have-nots more than ever before, and and the talk of even more super conferences and this or that. You know what? What are the priorities for USC, and and how much is how much does being a football superpower matter to them right now? And I think that's all open for debate. Uh, I do think he'll be the first overall pick. Um, I think that the uh, the Bears are are, are pretty. I think a lot of curveballs would have to be thrown at them to mm-hmm. get them off that path. Mm-hmm. I think the league pretty much looks at them as a team that's mm-hmm. going to take uh, Callum Williams. Doesn't mean they wouldn't trade him, but boy, that's, that's going to be a really uh, – it's going to be real painful for you to get them to, to move off of that pick. And I, I think it's um, probably a whole lot closer to where the Bengals ended up getting on Joe Burrow. Than some of these other recent years, where you know a team has been, um, a team has been sort of uh, given so much fire they can't say no. Uh, my questions about him, I, I mean, you know, I I try to talk to some people who are more at the forefront of the sort of analytics movement and who are a little bit more progressive, maybe in their front office leanings. But then also, I've got a lot of buddies I talk to who've been scouting forever, who do have a lot of that sort of old school in them, and there's certain things that just doesn't rub them right, and, you know. And I, I think there's extremes in everything, and so you you kind of try to blend different different views of of a, a prospect off of different guys, and then maybe come up with your own middle ground. I do think just sort of leadership and handling your emotions and how much this football means to you versus other things, that stuff's going to come up for Caleb Williams. And and I don't think these are major hurdles. And I think, you know, his representation to get with him and, and come up with sort of a, a plan for his messaging that'll make a lot of this stuff go away. But I do think it would be naive. Like, to not think it's going to come up. And and really, he can nip this in the bud by standing up there in Indianapolis and in whatever, a couple of weeks. And before anybody even ask any questions of him, just say, hey, look, I want to be real upfront about what matters to me, about who I am, and about some of my missteps and why I made them, you know, and and where I'm coming from. and And just direct it head on. You know what I mean? Like, the commercials and all this stuff. Well, here's why I did it. You know, I, I I did it because this program's in a weird spot, you know, and I wanted to help try to put it back on the mat and raise awareness. And I wanted to bring more money into the program and NIL. And I want to share that with my, my gut. You know what I mean? Hey, what, why was I, why was I in the stands crying with my mom? Well, here's what was going through my mind in that moment. And here's what I've learned from it. And here's why I wouldn't do it again. You know, Why didn't I talk to the media towards the end of the season? Again, like you can, you can be up front with some mea culpas. You can disarm a lot of people, you know, and you you could also do this in your interviews, right. As you're meeting with teams at the combine. correct? I think an approach like that with several agents who aren't going to be representing him pointed out to me um, when I kind of sized this up at the Washington post about six, seven weeks ago, you know, they're like a little bit of media coaching, a little bit of introspection and pretty soon all we're doing is talking about his arm talent, you know, and his on field wizardry and, and, you know, a quarterbacking career that goes back to middle school. That's pretty excellent. Now, whether he'll take that, you know, what what tack that he'll take and and what tone this will take. I don't know, but I think in the grand scheme scheme of things, Carl, I'm using air quotes here. His transgressions are pretty, are pretty mild are fairly meaningless. Um, and and if he weren't to go first overall, I don't think it would be because of any of that. It would just be because there's a couple of other kids who also check a ton of boxes. And you just might fall in love with one of the other ones for your scheme, for what you're trying to do over him. But the idea that, that Caleb Williams is going to fall or anything like that, I, I just don't buy Um, and I think we're going to see quarterbacks go one, two, three. And I think four are going to go in the top 10 or so. Uh, and I I think six could go in the first round. I'm looking at a lot of mock drafts and it's like, it's almost like Michael Penix didn't play like none of this happened. And I understand there's some injury concerns, but I, I haven't seen this cat in a, in a mock draft yet. I'm like, okay.
0: It's true. Um, Especially first
1: you know, 15 picks. You're right. I don't see him go. I mean, I've, I've probably looked at 20 of them. I don't even know that I get him mentioned. Like, it could be, you know, like in the little paragraph where it's not Penix, but it's like, hey, if Penix does okay on his physical, you know, maybe he goes. I don't know, man. You, you get him in the second half of the first round. Does he really need to have three contracts for it to be worthwhile? No. I, you I know, that's value. That's value. So – and then Bo Nix is another one who I, I think might might get in there as well. Um So, no, I think it's a really good class. And, uh, again, now's the part where I the more I hear, the more I just go back to one of these notebooks I have with my notes on these kids. You know what I mean? From, like, the end of the yeah. college football season. Yeah. When yeah. it was really just about the tape, right? When it was just about who had done what and who had – put themselves ahead of the other one based on their ability to be leaders and winners and, and, and to play the position, because we're about to get into silly season. So I I try to be mindful, the closer we get to the draft, sometimes going back to, all right, what was I hearing about these kids in November before, you know, there were, this team was disgruntled about this, but this team was trying to hope he'd fall to here, you know, before all the BS started.
0: I think that's, and, I think that's important. You know, I, I do, because we all get caught up in all of the chaos that happens, and we forget, plain and simple, as I like to say, can they play? It's, it's one of my phrases. If he can play, Caleb Williams can flat out play. We know this. To your point, if you want to hold against him all of these small transgressions, if they're even that, I think it's just about maturity. The crazy thing, yes. Jake, is, you know, he's one of the older dudes. He's 22 already. Most of these guys are 20, 21, 20 years old in a month. Like a lot of these guys are are two years literally younger than he is, and he's still dealing with maturity. But these are all still young guys. These are kids. So I- I'll say this to your point about Caleb Williams, and the reason why I keep saying I don't know if he goes number one, and this could be absolutely crazy, um, I think Marvin Harrison is the best player in this draft
1: mm-hmm. right
0: now. Period. I think he's the best player in this draft. Now, is there a team that's crazy enough, and especially at the top of this draft, to be an idiot enough to take a wide receiver, regardless of his value over quarterback? The answer is no. But I do think he's the best player. Let's talk about Drake May real quick, um, because here's a kid with a big arm out of North Carolina. Here's the difference between May and Caleb Williams. May 6'4 to 30. Caleb is 6'1", 215. Now, if that matters to you and you feel like mm-hmm. guys get beat up in the NFL and size is a big deal and we talk about it with all these other yep. guys, we're still talking about it with Bryce Young, then maybe Caleb uh, K- Drake May is your guy because 6'4", 230 is an NFL frame for a quarterback and he's got a monster arm. Does he turn it over? Yeah, but he can make all the throws and he's interesting and he's the number two guy on most boards right now. Jason, when you talk about these quarterbacks, yeah,
1: and like he's a he's he's a kid who's done that, you know, done things the right way. There's um, great character, everything I've heard. Great family. Um, You know, this is a kid who was taught in high school by Josh McCown, Um, so he's been coached the, you know, at 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 a high level, um, from a a long time NFL quarterback. You know, really since he's in about eighth grade. Um, he's got positive role models. Uh, I I think the kid again is somebody who your whole franchise can get really excited about. Um, I wonder how much the, okay, so Bill Belichick's finally out of the Patriots building, but like how many guys who are there were kind of shaped by Bill Belichick Mm. and who have learned to look at football like a Belichickian in prism, right? I mean, in, including obviously the head coach who played for him and then you know became a coach under him, you know, including some of the people who are still in that front office. Boy, like, doesn't that feel like a a Patriots quarterback? It does. Six For you know what I mean? It does. Big strapping, big arm, drop back, and chuck it. Um not to say that all the quarterbacks they collected over the years um, didn't have some some diversity and some different skill sets. And certainly they were, you know, they had their Tebow fetish. and But, like, they, they usually want a guy who can push the ball downfield. Like, you know, even when they dabbled with a Jacoby Brissett, right? I mean, he pushed push the ball down the field. So I, I just – I have a hard time thinking – like I could see Washington doing Daniels at two. I know there's people in that building who feel like Daniels has the most, uh, even more upside than Caleb Williams, if you put it all together. Yeah. And if, if those two go one, two, I I just don't think new England can get real cute here or, you know, try to trade down and get the Michigan kid a little later. I I don't, I don't know that that's how, you know, you're, 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 you, you're trying to replace. Well, no one's going to replace Tom Brady, but you're you're trying to start filling those shoes. And the Mac Jones things w- went so horribly wrong that I, I don't think you can get real cute here. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think you, there's not a whole lot to overthink here. Um, all those teams need quarterbacks badly. Um, I think these guys fit in, in. In you know, you could you could come up with a bunch of different orders where they fit, but I I, I think. The idea of one of them taking something other than a quarterback, or the idea of, um, yeah, that's how somebody you know, I, I somebody mean- trading up into the top three to take Harrison. I, I mean, it could happen. I just wonder, you know, how open for business do the Cardinals become, and where are they, you know, and and do they realize how far away they still are? And are they willing, you know, to move off of that and and start collecting picks, or do they look at somebody like Harrison and just say he's so you know he could be such a difference maker?
0: Yeah, from day it, one,
1: immediately, you know that we need to go grab the best non-quarterback
0: in this draft. I uh, it's it's interesting you say that because like you talked about with Penix, for for the most part, like maybe not even a top fifteen pick, certainly Bo Nix. Uh, late first round if he goes there, or maybe early second. McCarthy is certainly a second round pick. I think if you take him any higher than that, that's a reach. So you know, um, what do you think? I about
1: think him? McCarthy's going real hot, man. Do I you think really McCarthy? I think McCarthy's the fourth quarterback, and I, 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 I don't oh, have the draft God. order right God. in front of me oh, right God. now, but I, I oh. think he goes in the top ten. Okay. I, I think I think five of these guys are going in the first round like i i would set my my over under at five and a half i think there's definitely room for a fifth one and then we'll see about a sixth one i wonder if the the depth of the tackle position like if somebody's looking there late first round and they're like look there's a tackle that they just love and they really like one of these quarterbacks too but they you know they let the the age or the the injury history with the panics kind of talk them out of it, but yeah, the sp- football evaluators have, I mean, I, I, I've i just had too many pe- people telling me two months ago that like, this is before Michigan won the national title. Right. Um, hey, that people understand why Harbaugh's running the ball and he's doing what he has to do to try to manage games. But that kid, that kid is legit. That, that kid's going in the first round. And he's probably QB four. So I'm I'm gonna stick with that. Um, because he did go on to win some big games and make some big throws. I I, I get it. Like, and these people would even say, like, it, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. Like, yeah, you, you probably watched them play Maryland at College Park and take the ball out of this kid's hands against Maryland. But like, trust me, you know, he's going in the first, he he's he's going high. Okay.
0: It's going to be interesting. Uh, It's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends uh, as we talk about these quarterbacks. We're just basically a month, well, two months away from the draft, Um, and and it's time to start looking at this. The Combine starts next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, but next Tuesday the Combine starts. So we'll be getting more information all next week about a lot of these guys. Now I don't know if any of these guys, Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, you know, Uh, any of these quarterbacks, per se, if they're going to throw at the combine. But we'll find out. and We'll see what what it's going to look like. Um, As we're talking about the the draft, I just want to ask you about one other guy. Um, And, you know, we've been talking about this real quick. We've been talking about this guy. Uh, Bo Nix is interesting to me, and that's what I was trying to get in there before, you know, you were saying that you believe there will be five and J.J. McCarthy will be be in there. He's played more college football than anybody. I know that – it doesn't mean a whole lot because, again, it means he's played a lot and he's got a lot of experience. I'm just not sold on Bo Nix. Um, maybe it's a personal bias. I saw him in Auburn, right, watched mm-hmm. him closely there. It, it didn't work. And then he goes to Oregon, and he looks like a different quarterback. I mean, he just did, and he was great. But I don't know if all these games – I keep hearing he's the most experienced quarterback in this draft. I don't care. Like, that doesn't that doesn't translate to me in the National Football League. Why am I not sold on Bo Nix? And are you? Well, I mean, I think it's
1: obvious. Like, if, if he's that special, why why did he bounce around? You know what I mean? Why was he a football nomad? Why why did he never really fulfill his manifest destiny until the end? Um, I, I have questions as well. I think we're going to have to just get our heads around how this brand new Bold new college football landscape. Yes. What does it mean, and what doesn't it mean? You know, like there used to be, like, oh, he's a transfer. You know what I mean? It was like Uh, negative. uh, Negative. Yeah, it was like a red. You know, like the A for adultery. It was like the T for transfer. It's like, what happened? (laughs) What did he do? You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of assumptions that came with that. Like, why didn't it work out at the first place? You know, he must have jacked something up, and. I just think we're gonna have to get used to the fact that there's the system is incentivized in some ways for them to bounce around. It is. And not everybody's gonna make it in the NFL. It doesn't mean that they don't think they're going to make it, but you know, there's it's there's 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 some financial-based decisions that they're making as basically glorified teenagers that maybe we we need to not get caught up in. Uh, I, maybe this is just going to be, you know, what it is more, more, more the norm. Like, I, you know, like this Rattler is like another one, right? Like, I mean, my goodness, I feel, like, I feel like he played in every remaining conference that we still have. And we don't have that many conferences left anymore. But, you know, if he comes out of it and you're looking at the evaluation and you're looking at the importance of the position and you feel like he's grown from it he's already had a little bit of more of the pro experience where you might have a different coordinator every year. Your coach might be fired after your first year. Maybe that steals them a little bit, hardens them or makes them used to it. I guess the reality is there a lot of them are going to bounce around even at the real high end. So I don't know how much you, you let that affect you. Like I, I remember talking to one evaluator about him and they're like, he's like, look, man, I man, I don't know exactly what happened in Alberta, why it didn't work out. And you could spend a whole lot of time trying to get to the bottom of that, I guess, if you want. He's like, or you could go out to Oregon and, and watch him practice and stand next to him. You know what I mean? And watch the arm and watch him process and watch how people react to him. He's like, yeah, go to their practice. He looks like a first rounder to me. Like I I don't I, I, I don't know that I'm gonna get to the bottom of it and with some of these kids what's the point because the movement it's 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 just different they they're they're getting these different opportunities put in front of them and it's a lot for them to navigate but you know this guy's like i take him in the first round you know he's like i i think somebody's going to take him in the first round um there's there's again he checks a lot of boxes uh and and who knows? I mean, like, how many how many first round? Ra- I mean, I don't know. Ten years from now, somebody probably do a study how many NFL first round picks have changed schools. You know what I mean? Before they got drafted, who? I don't. I don't. It might be seventy percent. I don't know. Like, I don't know where this thing's going. It's it's already changed rapidly in five years. Some of them, you know, we especially the quarterbacks that they might decide I'll dabble with this. I'll dabble with that. I, I don't know.
0: It's uh Jason uh I want to get into franchise tag here because uh the franchise tag date is March 5th, I believe. So we're a couple of weeks away and Uh-oh. there's some, yeah. There's some teams that have to make some decisions. Let me ask you about these four guys and whether you'd franchise tag any of them. Chiefs Chris Jones, uh linebacker Josh Allen, T Higgins, who by the way, if they do franchise tag him, the tag number is $20 million. Um And what about Brian Burns with the Carolina Panthers? Those four names are four guys we'll be talking about. I know that the Chiefs picked up Chris Jones, you know, their option to franchise tag him if they need be. But do you franchise tag any of these guys, or do you just see where it goes with the contract? Because really, if you're not understanding, and and maybe, you know, we don't assume that you guys do, it just allows the team a longer negotiating period basically to get a deal done. And then, if not, you still have the the right to own the player as far as you know going into next season. But you're paying at a, a higher rate. The top five, uh, the average of the top five highest paid guys at his position. So, for Chris Jones, he's going to be making more than Aaron Donald, right? If you if you franchise tag him. Well, I think
1: because of his past contracts and cap numbers and whatever, I think it'd be pretty prohibitive to to tag him. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that getting Chris Jones signed is priority number one for the Chiefs. Um, I would be surprised if he's not back in Kansas City. Me too. When you when you factor in the 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 age, um the fact that he his can he go out and win you a playoff game? Yes. Yeah, he had a lot to do with them winning the Super Bowl. But if you're a team that needs eight, you know, whatever, 16, 15, 17, A plus games or A games out of Chris Jones to get to the playoffs, it's the likelihood you're getting there? Like the kind of team that would overpay to get Chris Jones is not going to get the best out of Chris Jones because they're probably going to have to play him too much, rely on him too much. And I think Kansas city, if we want to talk about needs, they need to have a deeper bench. They'd have a deeper D line rotation. Right. And, and, and so that they can keep him on a little bit more of a pitch count. Like I think you saw last year, like father time is on, is undefeated. And like, if, if, if you're going to try to play him 17 games plus four or five in the playoffs, like there's going to be some C, some C minus games in there. Like they're just half Like that's just the reality of where he is in his career. So I don't know if the juice is going to be worth the squeeze for, for somebody else. Like if we're talking about a Jacksonville or somebody trying to put themselves over the top, sure. But how many of those teams can go out and, and pay, 10% more, or 15% more, or 20% more than the Chiefs, right? Whatever you're going to have to beat the Chiefs by, how many truly elite teams are going to do that? I not, Probably not many, you know? Um, I think he's back there. And I, I have no reason when I look at Andy Reid and Brent Beach and what they've done, and you look at their history with him, and you look at what Mahomes was willing to do contractually, only taking $60 million in the first three years of that contract, in large part to facilitate a Chris Jones mega deal. Uh, I, I think that one gets done, you know, Jacksonville, Josh Allen, like they, they better not let him walk. And they need to find somebody to book at him. They need to find some complimentary pieces around him in, in that front seven. They, they, that, that, that to me is a no brainer. Um you know, T. Higgins, again, it's not my money, so it's easier for me to spend, but but these these franchises are worth billions of dollars. Yeah. You know, and they've had really bad luck with Joe Burrow the last couple of years. I mean, we say it every year in, in like July and August, right, they're doing this pod. And we're like, well, this is the year we think Joe Burrow has a regular training camp. And then they don't, you know what I mean? It doesn't take them until October 15th to start revving it up. And then something happens. And But like, if you're Mike Brown, you're thinking... Well, when I signed Burrow, the way I signed Burrow, I was probably thinking we had at least two more bites at the apple, right? With with my big th- with with Higgins and yep. Chase and Burrow. Like I thought we were going to have multiple rides together, and it's turned out that that hasn't really happened. So for for twenty million bucks, do you keep that together? I think you do. I I, I think you do.
0: Um, T Higgins
1: and would
0: I'd be a be one to two, number one on any other team, right? He'd be a number one on
1: any other team. Oh, absolutely! And I don't know that he's going to look between him and Chase. Only one of them are getting the mega deal there. But can you, can you? The, the question would you know? Can you get something done with Chase where he's taken less than the first two years? Like the guarantee's still monster, and he's going to get all his money. But you know, you 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 try to get him to a spot where you've got long term security with him. At your price the first couple of years while you're still carrying Higgins, knowing that this is this is the last hurrah for Higgins. Now, Higgins isn't going to love that because why do I want 20 million when I can go get 100 something million out there on the open market? So you're going to have to massage some things. But I do think there's something to be said for trying to have one more, you know, one more run with those guys together. Um, I think it certainly makes some sense. And and I also wonder, too, if the expanded playoff, to some degree, if there ends up being a little bit of a correlation between more teams being willing to use the tag and the expanded playoff. Like the door is a little more open for some teams. You can talk yourself into it a little bit more. You can talk your owner a little bit more. Well, hey, you know, what's a home playoff game worth to us? What does that put in your pocket? Because we think this guy, you know what I mean, has a chance for us to do that, or, or maybe more than one, you know, we win our division with this person and maybe we get another playoff game on top of that. I, I I do wonder if that leads to a few more teams being willing to, in essence, squat on these guys, right, and pay a price to keep them off the market in, in, in essence, to suppress their earning potential, um, to try to help your team win in the real time in, in that next year. It's a one year proposition. I, I wonder if we see
0: it used a little more because of that. I, maybe. As we finish up, guys, uh, last week the Kansas City Chiefs celebrated another Super Bowl victory with the parade. Um, this is the first time that Jason and I, or for that matter, Baldy, who's not not with us right now, but he'll be with us later uh, uh, in the week and later you know, next week uh, to talk about this. And I just want to address it because this is where football and society intersect uh with the chiefs victory parade that killed one and injured two dozen what we now know all right and jason i know you were on the air last week and Mm -hmm. i was as well when this was all going down and we were kind of like wait a minute what because we were talking about the chiefs and how jealous we were about the fact that they're celebrating another parade and and then this this happened and we now know that this was not a terrorist or anything like that this was a dispute between a couple of young folks, um, two of the three suspects are juveniles and gunfire broke out. So they wounded 22, nine were kids. And, you know, it just makes us again, think about where we are Jason in our society where football fans, right. Are trying to enjoy the, the, the fruits of, of what the chiefs have been able to, to achieve an incredible feat. It's a dynasty you got a million folks out there enjoying this. And this happened after the parade. Again, for those who are not familiar with this story, I don't know where you've been, but uh, this wasn't during the parade or anything like that. But the fact that it just happened and that we had kids shot and injured and one dead at a, at a victory parade. So, Jason, we know this. Uh, I'll share this real quick, and then I, I want to get your thoughts. Um, 2012, my daughter was in second grade and Sandy Hook happened. And I remember coming home and being so distraught, thinking about six and seven-year-old kids being killed in a classroom. And talking to my wife about it, we were just, as every parent is, and you're a parent, and I know, you're just nervous all the damn time because you can't trust that you're sending your kids somewhere that they're safe and that they are going to be taken care of. And more importantly, that they're going to come back home to you, which is what every parent wants. So I remember that vividly and talking about it and saying, oh, you know, this is this has got to stop. This is insanity. And Jason, here we are in 2024, brother, still talking about this shit, still dealing with with it. And I feel for Chiefs fans who went out there just to enjoy and to have your kid injured where you should be in a safe space. So, listen, I've said this time and time again. I don't have the answers. I don't know. Because we know that we live in America and we do have a right to bear arms. But at the end of the day, this was a couple of knuckleheads that just started shooting after an incident. And and you kill one and you hurt multiple children. And so we're lucky that more didn't die. But this is kind of where we are, man. And it doesn't matter if it's at a victory parade, classroom, movies. It, It just... And, and so we're just saying, I'm saying we have to address this, America. I mean, this is not going anywhere. And we keep thoughts and prayers is bullshit. It just is. Every time it happens, that's all I hear, Jason. So I just wanted to express that in talking about this because we have not on this podcast had a chance to discuss it.
1: Well, I mean, look, it's the American nightmare. It's the American disease. It's the American way. Uh, we are almost calloused and jaundiced to it at this point. It, it, uh, anywhere, any place, anytime, any reason like church, parking lot, synagogue,
0: That's right,
1: school, college, gas station, um, the unfettered, uh, firearms marketplace and the fact that so many states have almost no pushback it's it's you know it's harder to get a driver's license it's it's you know i mean don't even get me started and and we we as a society don't care we don't care um the politicians certainly don't care uh there was a time in this country where we had stronger gun laws and we Especially laws limiting access to certain types of weapons. And just go look at any of the numbers and go go look at the, you know, the the types of incidents we're talking about where, you know, it's, it's 10 or more people wounded or killed, at, you know, at, at the same time. It just wasn't happening as much. And so we've tried it this other way a long time. Like we're, you know, we're, we're decades in to, you know, repealing all of that and trying it this laissez-faire way. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, we can talk about who it's working for, right? It's working for the NRA. It's working for gun manufacturers. Um, it's, it's working for these politicians, these ghouls, these feckless cowards, these subhumans who continue to have their pockets lined by blood money and you know they're okay with that like it I, it's working for them um i'm sure it's working for like our enemies right and countries out there who who want to see america fail like it's working for them it's working for putin um it's 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 making this country appear to be a lawless third world country every single week, probably every single day in various communities that don't have a whole lot in common other than senseless gun violence is everywhere. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think anything will ever change. I, I can't give anybody any credit. Like I, I I, have a hard time thinking that there is a better day. If you said it, if Sandy Hook, if the legacy of Sandy Hook is a decade later, we basically get over these things before they even happen that there's so many happening in a day that some of them don't even get coverage because they're not as outlandish as it happening at a football parade because this wasn't the only wasn't wasn't the only act of this nature wasn't the only time in our country where multiple people were slaughtered on the street that day um then the like the, the, leg, the legacy is uh, i guess the bad guys want you know big big uh big ammunition one uh, the NRA won. Um, these politicians won, and I, I don't think anything's ever going to change. I'm not. I don't know what it would take now to surprise me about anybody going anywhere at any time, almost anywhere in this country, except for certain political rallies where they they actually check everybody. Right? Except for you know where it's not going to happen? It's not going to happen at the next NRA national convention because you can't bring your all the laws they fight for, all the unfettered access, open carry, carry your you know your glorified AK-57 wherever you go. You, you know where you can't do that? You can't do that in Charleston Heston's backyard. So I, I mean, it's it's disgusting. It's sickening.
0: Yeah,
1: and I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's ever
0: changing. We want you to subscribe, like us, tell your friends. It's in the huddle, guys. And where football intersects with society and real life happens, we talk about it. But this is a football podcast, and we stick to our lane, and we stay in our lane for the most part. But we had to talk about it and at least address it. Jason, I totally agree with you. Everything you said. My man, we will talk. Again, as we get the countdown to not only Franchise Tag Day, but also the Combine next week, we're going to be getting into all of that, talking about all the guys and breaking down position by position, getting you ready for the upcoming draft, which is the biggest thing in the NFL. Of course, free agency happens before that, and I'm curious to see you know, what happens there uh, and who makes a jump and, and who changes teams and what teams are willing to spend uh, the Washington Commanders guys have a lot of money. They could change the complexity of their franchise with making some franchise moves as far as free agency and having a great draft. That thing could get right pretty quickly. So it's going to be an offseason, a great offseason for a lot of teams. But we'll see how it shakes out. And we're here to talk about it with you. So make sure you subscribe. Jason, have a great day, man. And uh, we'll to you. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for being here.